gosh. <laughs> We're doing it. Hey, Yusef. <laughs> uh, What's up, Eat? What's up, man? You know, uh, it's been a few years, but... <laughs> it's been a minute, man. <laughs> got, a lot, a... got a lot to catch you up on. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long, long while. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the background ambient noise has certainly changed from where we last <laughs> recorded. <laughs> yes, from trains and yelling people to... <laughs> The thousand voices of tiny cicadas. Cicadas, <laughs> yep. Uh, some background, some bucolic evening in the country sounds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've relocated. We're no longer Boogie Down Bronx and El Barrio. We're now <laughs> Columbia County, New York, and... And Berkshires. Berkshires. Berkshire County. Yeah. But both pleasant streets. Yes, indeed. Right. Yes. Both pleasant streets. <laughs> yes, I'm on Pleasant Vale. To match our personalities, obviously. <laughs> yes, my winning personality. Yes, always. Let's come back. Well, it's really, I'm really glad to see you, man. I yeah. was so excited when I found out that you were moving to Great Barrington. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Yeah, no, it's it's been a big adjustment, obviously, leaving the city. But I'm digging it, you know, country living, especially like in these times. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> kind of feels. In these times. <laughs> kind of feels appropriate. Yeah. It's not as much a shift as it would be probably if... It had been after, probably when you moved, because when you moved, you were moving right after working in the city in a job, in an office, which is something that people don't do anymore. Yeah, it's wild. Um, So we're like, yeah, we're like, okay, so we're we're catching up on a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. We're catching up on, uh, yeah, I left the city even before the pandemic, which is wild. Like Mm -hmm. the timing was crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're both born and raised, you know, New Yorkers. And we're like, you know, now fledgling country folk. Yes. I basically, like, five months before the pandemic, I decided to, you know, after finishing God of War with you on our last episode. <laughs> and it was and, a banger. Yeah, and talking about, like, <laughs> impending parenthood. And now, uh, yeah, you know, my wife and I had uh, twin boys who are now three years old. Um, and right after I was, like, at the last week of my paternity leave, I was, like, up at my dad's place who happens to, he, have, he has a home outside of Woodstock, New York. I've been going there since I was a child. So we, we went up there for the last week of my paternity leave and, like, I just felt like a huge change, like wash over my partner, wash over me, actually weirdly wash over our kids. Like our kids were like, like slept better than they had ever slept in the city apartment. And I think something just like changed in me. And I was like, I gotta get out of the city. And that, that kicked off like a year long process of finally leaving the city, landing me right uh, in the town of Claremont, New York, which is like a few miles from Red Hook, a few miles from Tivoli. Uh, five months before uh, the pandemic hmm. busted out. Crazy timing. It's man. so crazy. The timing <laughs> was so nuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we never even had a chance to fully settle. Like we had just figured out like secondary childcare, like a really awesome, uh, like young student basically uh, at a local college. And she, um, she was just learning the kids rhythms. We were all just like, Jess and I were like starting to go back on dates and stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> And then, yeah, the pandemic hit and it was just like toilet paper and, mm-hmm. you know, like face masks and sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. washing our groceries once until they were like, no, that was just like some dude's idea. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to actually do it. I was like, thank God, because yeah. that's a lot of fun. It feels work. just real dumb. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about those early pandemic, you yeah. know, days, it yeah. was insane. Got furloughed, you know, for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. It was like wildly chill actually like mm-hmm. as it, there was like a low level anxiety through it all but it was 
But there's an enforced chillness. Yeah. And I had my kids to focus on and Jess to focus on, my partner. And like, it was just good to, in a lot of ways, it was weirdly good. It wasn't rest, but it was good to slow down. Yeah. Um, That's an incredibly privileged thing to say as like, you know, like people who are in the medical. I mean, Vivian, I I know Vivian, I think, avoided the worst of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, like anybody who was working in healthcare, like I I had the privilege of having a very chill time, basically. As a psychiatrist, she likes to say that she was like, don't put me on the medical floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It won't work. It won't it's work not gonna, for the patient. Yeah, it won't exactly. be good for the patient. Won't be good well, I mean, I'm sure like her work is just beginning now, you know? <laughs> True, yeah. yeah. Little, I mean, I just assume there's, like, the there's got to be an impact. Yeah, different exactly. work, but in terms of like intubating yeah. and and uh, actually critical patients, uh, yeah, I don't think she wants. She was too keen on on refreshing the yeah, old exactly. medical school. Yeah, I just assume like yeah, a broad yes. a broad distribution of weight to like all people who are mm-hmm. in aid of other people during this time. Yeah. But yeah, it's been um, three, I guess three years three since, years. You, you know, since the, the kids were born or thereabouts. Um, and have you still been playing video games? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I never, I never really stopped my, my, I just had to like really get good at putting it down at a moment's notice. You know, I think that was the work of being a, a dad who plays video games is just like, I think the Switch is, as I predicted, like a really wonderful device for, you know, being a father who plays games. Um, it's just this, you know, just for nothing else than like, of course, portability and like handheldness, but like just like the the like power switch that like immediately saves states mm, wherever I love you that. are. Like that's yeah. just, it's critical. <laughs> it's just critical for like, yeah. all of a sudden it's too quiet. And you're like, you have to like <laughs> check and like, where are these kids? Like, oh, yeah. you got into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's good. Like I've, I've been playing, I've been revisiting some games that, um, I played before the kids were born that I loved, but was like kind of too in the rush of either making the podcast or in between games that I enjoyed more like Hollow Knight. I returned to that mm, is so good. Incredible to go back to Hollow Knight. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great switch game. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And again, the sound design just mm. like enveloped me. Like I remember playing it and being like, this game is incredible mechanically. It's mm-hmm. incredible like in its lore and its like trappings, but also there's just the sound design, kind of like Dead Space 1 level sound design where you're like, it's kind of above even the gameplay. It just yeah. sounds so rich. and Just like uh, going into the, was it the undernest or the part where oh, yes. the spiders live? Yeah, and oh, that, that constant thrumming, like Insects gurgling. crawling yeah. into the walls. So yeah, Incredible. Hollow Knight again. Yeah, and then just like a bunch of like shorter games and longer games and a lot of, I think roguelites and roguelikes mm. are both really powerful and wait did you say road lights rogue likes oh. and rogue lights oh uh, i've yeah. i've assumed you're talking about like a roguelike where you're just driving a like road- just car <laughs> games that where you constantly crash and start again yeah no no <laughs> exactly no um yeah it's just uh they've been good too because i think the sort of yeah the kind of the mutability of like just it's an arcade game it's almost like you're popping in a quarter each time you're starting from the beginning but you're forming a language and a relationship so Roguelikes are really, they've been great as well. Hmm. How about you, man? Okay, okay. First of all, your journey, <laughs> your journey, yeah. It's yeah. like, paint a picture for me. What what got you to the to the Berkshires, man? Um, well, we, we, we followed Vivian's career. She finished her residency and is work now working at out in the Berkshires at a residential psychiatric center, which is pretty cool because there aren't too many of those in the country. So it's a very unique opportunity. Um, so she's getting a lot of training. It's a fellowship. So... It seemed like a really great job, job opportunity, but it's also, I think, we fe- we were talking even before that about wanting to buy a house and wanting to um, 
you know, move out of our place. And it was kind of, and like a year, you know, years back, probably even when you moved out, I, I didn't feel like I was ready to move out of the city, but yeah, um, just as time passed, it just felt um, a, a lot more feasible or a lot more doable. Uh, it definitely made it, the pandemic really did make it an easier choice because it was kind of like, well, it's just the two of us here in the Bronx. So like, it's not going to feel that different and it doesn't feel that different than, um, than, uh, it did the past year in New York, in the Bronx, cause we weren't going into the city. We weren't working, we weren't seeing friends. So there was uh, a much more seamless transition than, than it might've been in the past. So I think that made it easier. And yeah, like it, there is that just having the privilege to be able to, to, get a place in, in, you know, the country, like, is not something to, to shake your finger oh, at. No, no, or, no, yeah. Like, it's really uh, yeah. a big deal because it, it, it is very, um, it can be very good, healthy for, for people who maybe don't get a lot out of the city anymore oh, or, or aren't necessarily living their best life in New York just because it's the best city. And it is still the best city. Yeah. But, um, I think there's a lot to be said for figuring out when it's time to hang the, hang in a towel and and figure out another way to to live your life and see um, and see what it looks like on the other side. Basically, yeah, totally. I think you know, it, definitely for you know people of color, the country uh, that was always been a big thing for us. It's like you know, it's white up here, man. Oh, it's <laughs> mad, dude. It's mad white up here. Uh, so it's like it's almost like there's a little bit of being the vanguard being like the, the guinea pigs being like, you know what? We're, like, let's put our stake down. Like we deserve to be up here too. Like just because um, it's traditionally been very homogenous doesn't mean that it doesn't has to stay that way. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's stick our foot in the door and, and see what happens. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of an experiment. Um, you know, it's a two year fellowship. So I guess if things go to <laughs> really hell, good. <laughs> we do, we're going to go back to the city, but so far so good. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy with our decision. Good. As long, especially now that we fix our boiler and have hot water. Yes. Having hot water is one <laughs> Very of the, important. I'm sure this even came up in one of our old, you know, probably cause you had, yeah, the, I had that boiler, issues. boiler issue. Oh my God, man. Yeah. yeah not it's having hot extremely water. Important. It's extremely important. And I love also just the random coincidental poetics of like, you moved, like we moved up here, like for me, you know, Claremont for you, Great Barrington. And yet somehow the commute time and distance between mm. our homes has remained almost exactly <laughs> the same. Like it took me yeah. 40 to 50 minutes to get from El Barrio to your spot in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And it's the same commute now driving yeah. to your Just place. Just now with more right? cows. And yeah, more cows than like one slow driver can gum yeah. up the entire works on your like and single you can't lane. you your horn yeah, it's not no. the same. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have the same yeah. feeling. No. Yeah. But, my, yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's, it was meant to be. We are we're in we're in simpatico even up here, which is nice. It's cool, man. I like it a lot. Yeah. I like it a lot. And it's nice to have somebody in the area, you know, some somebody familiar. Yeah, man. So I don't feel like um, a fish out of water. Nah. A city fish, a city <laughs> And you'll I don't know if it's the same in Great Barrington. I feel like Great Barrington's got like a lot more of a almost like a commuter's composition and its demographic. Like there's people who like come in and out of that town, like more readily in terms mm -hmm. of like weekenders and stuff like that. Like here, the Hudson Valley obviously has had a lot of relationship with New York, but there was a, 
a true, true, like ridiculous feeding frenzy in the real estate market up here. And it was mm-hmm. like, now there's like this weird kind of the old culture of the established people who've been here for generation or generations and people who came up as a direct result of the pandemic. There's this like wild kind of like, oh, like, where are you from? You're like, New York City. Like, it's it's like we've been in a relationship for decade forever you know for century you know Mm -hmm. um and they'll be like i can't remember the question basically like you you kind of like lead in you're like hey like i moved up before the pandemic (laughs) like i was here like i i wanted to be here before the pandemic and like it's weird too because it's like it's never been an issue before like new Mm -hmm. york to the level of like any regular disdain for an outsider Mm -hmm. that is basically like you know narcissistically you're finding differences where there are very few like new york and the hudson valley have always had like this really tight relationship but like mm-hmm. now there's this like wedge of the pandemic and it's hilarious it's like yeah it's really really funny working itself out at the farmer's markets and like general <laughs> stores near you you know yeah, like, side adding side adding yeah each other. Ooh, when did you get here i'm like yo yeah. yo yeah as we had the same thing but we're just like we came up here for for work yeah, like, like we, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I'm actually working up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like it's not a vacation home. Yeah. But I think when we um, we got cards at our library, and, and then they were like, I think they asked both of us at, at different points, like, "Oh, is this your second home, or like, is this like a weekend home, or is this a?" I was like, "No, this is our home. This is our. We this moved is where we live. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're committed. So, yeah, there's a bit of a distinction to be made, which is fair. I think like." If I lived in a town and there's a bunch of people who weren't really invested in the town, it would suck. So, you know, I want I actually do want to, to like play my part. And, it's, oh, and there's a community too. So it's like, I, I want to get, the problem is obviously pandemic. You can't really like, it's always a, a measure of like how much you're going to dip your toe back into the, or yeah. into the public, especially yeah. now that it's getting worse again. So yeah, the Delta spike is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like, you're still a little bit isolated, but hopefully that will go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because of being isolated, because of the pandemic, playing games, that's yeah, definitely a nice, um, I guess, distraction at times. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. I have actually have felt a little bit of, of fatigue with games recently. And I'm not sure if it's because of just what's out there or if it's just my own like mental state. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, write about games a lot, and sometimes there's, there's an element of like, is it too much work? Is it, or is it? Am I turning this into work? Is less leisure, more work oriented? Um, because, in, like, if I'm say write, because I write one column a month usually for yeah. this website on Winnable that I'm a contributor to, that can really eat up all of your free time, you know, because you have to play the game, you have to write the piece, you have to do research. So um, it's there is sometimes an element of yeah, uh, it moving more from leisure into work. So sure, I'm just something I'm I'm figuring out. I think also the interesting thing about the pandemic, because which I noticed for myself is that I'm not actually like that bored or that um, like I don't get that like stir craziness. Yeah, me too. Actually, part of it is because like I have a good relationship with Vivian, and yep. I'm sure you do with, with yep. Jess. Like and like we're spending a ton of time together. You have your kids. Uh, for us, we have a problem. Yeah, you we have, have a forever problem. Exactly. You said that with the exact gravity. <laughs> that was it. You have the kids. Yeah, like, I mean, yes, you have the kids. It's like the, I kind of wish we could do that a fills up all without them. Yeah, everything. Oh my god. Yeah, it's actually been pretty uh, uh, fascinating for us as a like 
couple just because we've been um it's just spending way more time together so it's a lot of like renegotiating how we spend time together mm. and yeah um like yeah just like this is so much more time to to work on ourselves um in ways that are very positive um so it's like so that's been really cool and i think it's also it almost makes it harder to like play games because we're just focusing on on like we like Vivian doesn't really play games as much, so it's like there is just more like me paying attention to her, or like or doing something that we both enjoy, That's uh, awesome. which is like TV or movies. Like it's still like yeah, um, you have I, you always had common vectors, both of you. Absolutely, guys, like, no, yeah, we have yeah. so much, um, and yeah, it's so like it's so it's hard to kind of be like uh, to like be like I need to go play games now, mm-hmm. go do your thing. Yeah, um, so it's I think that there's there's still like can be a very healthy activity like to to carve out our own like spaces of course like recently i've been playing i've been i mean destiny is like my forever game oh okay you have okay that's good there you go yeah so i've been they have it they they've been they kind of it's like basically world of warcraft now like they have like seasons um so they have is a continuous thing where you you get paid like ten dollars and there's like more content so i've been something just got released like last week so i've just been like kind of jumping back into that and it's been the first time since we moved up that that there's been conflict over how how we spend our evenings where i'm just like i I kind of want to play this game i play this game and then like yeah it's like it's it is kind of having to like be like okay you're not gonna be interested in this yeah (laughs) this is something that only i'm gonna be going to be interested in and that's like one of the um aspects of games that is just kind of difficult because they can be a very like welcoming and inclusive medium as well where you play something that's interesting and somebody watches and or there's a multiplayer co-op game like we both get a lot out of uh, overcooked oh yeah of course <laughs> which is like, the best couples game yeah it'll make you like tear each other's hair out but also it's like su- super hilarious and fun yeah um but then there's games like destiny which is very inscrutable to of somebody course, who's yeah. not playing it um and even me i'm like super literate in games and i'm just like destiny where like what are we talking i mean about? even like playing actively playing it i have to constantly like look up things interesting, it's like, interesting so because they had to build it so elaborately so that the people who are hardcore players don't figure everything out in like so there's five still minutes. a mystery yeah yeah so they have to like yeah there's a it's almost like uh it's a conversation with those players and then everybody, everybody else kind of like has to like catch, keep up yep. basically or get, yep. or like kind of compensate for that. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like that. Actually, it's interestingly, I've been um, also handheld wise been playing the Vita because I have an old Vita and I have and I, and I, didn't, I, love I hadn't. Vita. It's a great. It is it's a great, really system. great system. And I hadn't touched it for a few years just because I had the Switch. I just wasn't paying attention to it. I had been playing Persona Four for a while and then. Um, I kind of put it aside and then for whatever reason, it probably was being discussed like on social media. So I was like, Oh, let me, let me use this thing. Cause it is great to have it. It's yeah. a you know, um, a great system. And I had remember that I hadn't played a lot of the old vanillaware games like Odin sphere. So mm, I downloaded Odin yes. sphere. Oh my gosh. That brings back memories. It is fantastic. So, cause I also, game. cause hollow Knight is one of my favorite games that just, that uh, kind of drip feed of, of exploration and just beautiful mechanics yep. and beautiful world. Um, and Odin Sphere went deep, very deep. I remember, <laughs> I remember it was super inscrutable to me. I owned the game. I like 
I like read all the wikis. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was still just like, how do I do this? It's it's a it's a steep on ramp. Yeah. I mean, what's funny though is like it's actually not that hard a game. Like no, it, just deep. Yeah, just, just deep. Yeah, like a lot of yeah, just a lot of systems in it. For example, the world's full of seeds and and food and fruit. And if you pick up a fruit, you'll eat it, and your character will drop a seed. You can then take that seed and plant it and grow a plant. Yeah. Like in the battlefield, just like stop and be like, I'm going to grow this plant. Yeah. In between like spear attacks with whatever <laughs> yeah. class you, you have to grow be plant. You could be in the middle of a boss fight. Yeah. 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 And oh grow like a, like a plant and then eat the seeds, get some health back. It's kind of amazing that they yeah, thought that of this system. Nuts. You can like grow chickens and eat them. And, and then, but you'll, you can also take all their ingredients, take it to a, a little animal chef, uh, and then it'll make meals for you. Yeah. It's, That's it's awesome. Been great. Actually, you know what? The biggest mistake. The, the Vita or that Sony ever made with the Vita mm-hmm. was just calling it the Vita. Should have just been a, <laughs> it should have just been a continuation of the yeah. PSP because it was just a better PSP. Yeah, like that's all it was. Yeah, like, absolutely. It was a fantastic PSP. Yeah, the branding was weird. It was just the weird. whole they, they kind yeah. of let let it out to like to pasture. Imagine just like yeah. you know maturing that because it was still also the same silhouette mm-hmm. generally as the PSP. It's like imagine just like maturing that silhouette. It's like oh yeah, there's like a touchscreen on the back now. Yeah. It's touchscreen you know screen as well. Um, or sorry, a touch surface on the back and a yeah. touch screen on the front. And it's like, you know, yeah, you're iterating on this silhouette. It could have been cool to just like keep yeah. it in, keep it in OLED. So yeah, the, it was beautiful. The Switch literally just released the OLED version. Oh, yeah, version. but there's the wet fart <laughs> release. Like at that point, like at this yeah, point, no, people okay. are like, we want you to do the thing you do Nintendo every yeah. like, you know, five to six years. Like, yeah. we're ready to pay another two, three hundred dollars for just the faster Switch. Like, yeah, you yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Don't fuck. Oh, you fucked it up. Yeah. 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 An OLED screen. Great. Yeah. Or like you didn't, your controller is still very cheaply made. Can yeah. You oh, gosh. <laughs> they could have just, they could have just yeah. fixed the drift. Yeah. Just the hardware. Been, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, it, it's, yeah. The, the, these console manufacturers, they're still, they're still around. They're, they're figuring yeah. it out. But, okay. So like if you're, if you're still, if you still have like a forever game and if you're, and what sounds like a wonderful reduction of gaming for the beautiful, like forever death of the labyrinth of love, you know, like the, the roguelike that keeps on giving. Like, yes. yeah. So you're playing that, you know, the forever game of your marriage is good, but how about like the writing, right? You were starting to write and really impressive stuff when we were finishing the last chapter of the podcast, you were already writing. Yeah. Now you've continued to write, and I think really fantastic stuff, dude. Like, how has your, you know, if you, how is your, I know we're just getting back into um, podcasting right now, but like, does it feel different? Has writing, of course, changed the way you game because you're mm-hmm. criticizing differently, but does it feel different than the way we would just sort of meet up and like, you know, wax about a game? Has the process of writing, like, in a different way mm-hmm. changed your relationship to games than just mm-hmm. us talking about it as a podcast? Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, question just because of that reality that we kind of wrapped up podcasting around the time that I was it was really busy, taking getting, yeah. getting really busy writing. Um, they're definitely very different, um, I think. They're, I mean, there's also a lot of similarities because it is just like talking about games, like critically diving into what makes them tick and yeah. what is interesting about them to us and what they remind us of, of, especially in the wider world. So I think that part is the same. I think it's definitely, um, it kind of depends on, on the assignment, but I think with writing, it's, it is, 
where I've found it to be the most beneficial is this idea of of um, taking like a kernel of an idea, like uh, what like maybe maybe like a throwaway line that we might have in a the statement. podcast. Yeah, like um, like one idea, one thought. Yeah, and then kind of like seeing how much I could grow it, and and through either through just pure anal- analyzing or also then going into research and going into um, like other uh, fields and histories and mediums and um, yeah, trying to kind of make that idea as solid and as, and feel as like well-supported as possible, which is something that you don't have to do in a podcast because it's more casual. Yeah. um, At least the way we run this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I'm sure there are definitely podcasts where they do their research. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I think with writing, it's like, uh, it's an opportunity to, for also for myself to like learn a lot about something um, like just because a lot of my topics will be like taking um, either like real world politics or history and then like wrapping the game in, in that context like uh, Mass Effect just had the um, the, the legendary, re- legendary release yeah, yeah. everything and I kind of uh, wrote something for Polygon where I was like comparing it to um, I mean like just the reality of the game being propaganda where it's like this oh, idea yeah, sure. of like the space police um, that your character embodies yeah a multiracial, like <laughs> perfect fighting force, yeah, like, perfectly balanced yeah. by gender and blue skin, and just like space you know, yeah, space exactly, NATO, like yeah, um, the neoliberal dream in space, absolutely, yeah. But then I was, uh, had it just like the there's a great serendip- serendipity of it because while I was researching that, I also saw a piece or it was a tweet maybe talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine and how oh, they word. were um, there was like grass not grassroots but kind of like tongue in cheek grassroots idea of like setting in a different universe because this was during black lives matter mm-hmm. and yeah, like course. last summer when um people were like this sh- we love the people in the show we love the comedy we love the writing don't love their jobs yeah they're all cops <laughs> and like they're and it's like there's a definitely like a this show recognizes that too and sometimes tries to grapple with it but doesn't like fully like um uh own up to it and it's like what if they were like firefighters what if they were doctors or you know like some other job and then uh i was thinking about that and i was like can you change the show without the substance of it? Like, you know, like, um, is there, is like, you know, is what the show does is only like, is it only basically tangential that they're cops or is it actually like like inherent to their, like to their, um, to the identity of the show. And I think I use that as a jumping off point to talk about mass effect where it's like, like, yes, it's a game about, bonding and a game about like um relationships and a game about like kind of um intergalactic politics but it's also yeah very much it constantly reifies this idea of you being kind of like this unaccountable force that doesn't answer to anybody else yeah well, i mean uh, which like, is very inherent like very yeah very important for the identity of police like they can't yes. be accountable and it's like something that is like an interesting um foundational like truth about police that, and also about mass effect and like so there's a way to kind of talk about those together interesting so i did a lot of you know i was able to read up on it and like spend some time researching like and it's hard to do that stuff that often just because it's like time consuming but that's the deep end man yeah but it's also uh really satisfying because it's like what is the idea that i'm curious about and i'm like have all the tendrils and i have the outline and then i can kind of like um really sketch it out and then i can like fill it out and like layer onto it and like you know then hone it down um so it's a very like unique specific process that's very um fulfilling 
um, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. But it's also very uh, tiring. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, it's like kind of, that's, yeah, that's the part where it's like, um, often struggling with how to balance time and, and focus. And, um, you know, because I'm also, uh, now I'm in the game business. I'm working for this company, Glow Up. Yep. Uh, they're making an insecure spin-off game nice. uh, for the mobile and then uh, they're working on another mobile project that is not yet disclosed or announced um, but uh, I'm doing a lot, like, a lot of art for them and that's really fun so it's like a really great continuation of my other career of doing graphic design so like um, a lot of my just like being at home alone it's a lot of thinking about like how should I use my time and like games unfortunately often make me feel like I'm like wasting my time ah, yes. uh, if, if it's not for a productive purpose because I'm kind of so driven by other like needs yeah so it, um, it's like kind of like but I, but I kind of miss that leisure part of it you know yeah totally and that, that is, that is an, that's an important part of it if you don't have that it's kind of you, you very quickly I mean I think that's where a lot of people fall off of games when, yeah. they, when they kind of stop feeling it seeing them as an escape absolutely and yeah. games for me have always been uh, an escape either mm-hmm. an escape outwards or an escape in inwards you know what i mean like i've i've used games to really explore parts of myself um not only identity self but like just you know how i show up to challenge how i show up to defeat how i show up to victory like mm-hmm. all of those spaces are places that i feel very comfortable exploring in the context of games and it's funny too because like i think when we started i think when we started this podcast years ago um we had like in the earliest most self you know um like reflexively like insecure ways we were like oh i'm tavi i'm like from the games industry at some point and you were like i'm a game player i love how like we've kind of reversed in a way because now you're (laughs) in the games industry i'm like i'm like watching from as far afield as possible (laughs) i'm like this space is terrible other than the work that like you are on the again a vanguard of where you're just like I think in a lot of ways, like, yes, people of color, but even more so, like, I think in terms of a a, a, a grouping of people who have been so marginalized, like women by mm-hmm. games, not just in their industry, but in their subject. Mm. Uh, like, I'm just loving seeing the, like, occupation of game space and the, like, space where, like, this, like, vanguard is coming in and being like, we've always been here mm-hmm. and now we're going to, like, hold space, not just take space, like, we're going to, like, hold it and, like, don't mm-hmm. come in yeah (laughs) like it's a very very cool place and it's not just people of color it's not just women there's like i think in a way to make a stupid transition potentially into our game of the hour like there's these spaces where games are really showing a world that we couldn't access otherwise to a level of like intimacy and like inner like voicing inner identity politics that Mm -hmm really you can only access safely through play because your guard is down and you're not like judging it as anything other than like I'm going in and exploring this like space and like completing whatever objective I need to. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Like I love that like you're in now and I love that you're working on like an insecure game. Great fucking show. <laughs> but then also like when I was in the games industry, it was like fucking Top Chef or like, <laughs> you know, uh, what was that fashion show in New York with... Uh, oh, Top Model? or uh, Yeah, Project Runway. Project Runway. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like, legitimately like those were the like media tie-in games you know or the kim kardashian or kim kardashian (laughs) you know you're just like this glossy like Mm -hmm. hyper capital like whiteness thing Mm -hmm. like the game of like the patriarchy and whiteness is just Mm -hmm. wild and now it's like oh we're like where's the insecure tie-in yeah you know yeah 
Or like, yeah, there's just so many examples of this. And I think if we could transition to Please, the game yeah. of the hour, I feel like Umurangi Generation um, is also this example of like doing a thing that really only games can. It's like creating a photog. It's a photography game on its simplest form. But it is also, and we're late to the talking about this game party, but it's also, it's also this like, you know, scathing criticism of, uh, you know, neoliberalism, colonialism, climate, like the inactivity and inefficiency and ineffectiveness of humankind to like stand up to climate change, the kaiju basically of this mm-hmm. game. Um, or the kaiju is like eight things depending on how you feel on a certain day. But like, mm-hmm. you're also like getting into like a Maori anger. Like, mm-hmm. these are people who are, like, putting out, you know, these are indigenous people who are putting out per- potentially, like, the least carbon per capita on the planet Earth, and they will be the first to lose their homelands to rising seawater. Like, the anger and the, like, frustration and the, like, glee and, like, haka in the face of destruction is, like, all over this game. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, they're in plain sight without any adornment, and it's just, like, take pictures of it. And that's pretty mm-hmm. fucking cool. And that's pretty yeah. fucking unique. And it's yeah. pretty fucking like extra only games can do that shit mm-hmm. moments. Because like you can play the game as just like, oh, this is like Pokemon Snap, but it's off the rails. <laughs> or you can be like, I love Jet Set Radio, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> or you can just be like, damn, this is a fucking crazy game. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Or anything in between. It's pretty cool. So yeah, Umurangi mm-hmm. Generation. Yeah. That's our game of the hour. Yeah. It's a great introduction to it. Sorry, yeah. I was just <laughs> letting it roll. I've been like kind of lost in it in a weird mm-hmm. way because I think I stopped playing it as a game. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. like in the... I'm just a photographer taking pictures in these beautiful little spaces. But I think what's interesting about it is that like it it doesn't necessarily... Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're... Like if it's, it's so clearly a game, but it also doesn't feel like it's you are... It's so clearly a game. Like yeah. you are... You, you are playing a game because like it feels like you are really like experiencing a space and you are exploring is really taking advantage of the, of the spatial possibilities and opportunity space of games where you can move around and see things from different all kinds of different angles um like it is this three-dimensional painting that yes. is textural and um and also invites the player to participate in, in the painting, which is really amazing. I think that uh, is where it stands out as, yeah, it's like a, because it's like, it's important to, to like, yeah, to really define like why being a game is important, right? Because it's like broadly, like it's easy to say like, yeah, games are important because they're interactive and they invite the player in. <laughs> um, but I think there's games that, do this lazily and that don't necessarily bring anything that a movie wouldn't or a mm, book wouldn't yes. or a comic wouldn't. Um, and then there's games like this game, which I think um, absolutely understands the medium and understands the, the, the power of the first person perspective of the yes. walking simulator, basically, as it were, the, the Put, situating the camera in this body that is navigating the world and, and being part of the world um, because it because it, yeah, it is inviting you in to um, to look at to look at the same things that the artists want you to look at um, from their perspective not necessarily as this outside observer even though you are an outside observer because you have this camera and you are documenting things and you're kind of t- 
making it into something that is really your own because the art that you create in the world is your art. I mean, what's nice is you, once you take a picture, you save onto your computer Cut or it. your Switch, yeah. and then you have it to keep and, you know, make postcards out of. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's like it's a gift that a game leaves with you. It's kind of like a souvenir. Yeah. Because um, you have these pictures that you're capturing from it. Um, and that's like, so it's really cool just to, just like knowing how, how it works on these multiple levels yeah. as a game. Like it's it's not just like this basic simulation of walking around a city. It's also like it's it it's not just like a like a a simulacra of city. Like it's it is like that. It's pretty fucking dense. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. Like I mean like I kept on I think my instinct, well, because the the game is also so intertextual to games as well. Mm. Like it is a jet set radio mm-hmm. like cousin. Mm-hmm. The the typography of the main title is a direct homage to Metal Gear, which mm-hmm. is also a d- direct homage to like the vector based um, arcade games mm. that use like early like like radar kind of like output technologies to yeah. burn like straight line vector drawings onto the screen temporarily like that angle suggested to me motifs of another game and so mm-hmm. like it's this very like intertextual thing so i'm going in expecting it to be a bunch of like 1990s like repeated textures and patterns and they give you a few of those but then man look at the art that's on the walls oh, of so this like awesome. it's dense there's so much yeah. information i yeah. began to feel like the times where either at the end of undergrad or in the first like five or six years of landing back in New York City after school, yeah. getting invited to people's like open studio nights and you'd go in and like an entire like hmm. Berliniumsburg as it was called back in the day or like <laughs> like the Rublock party. Like these like you'd open like you'd go in through the fucking like storm gate into the basement and like you'd see this like illegal studio space that's been subdivided to fuck with like, you know, 23 individual studios per floor, five floors up. Mm-hmm. giant converted parking lot warehouse space whatever and you're like in this huge art opening it feels like that the game feels like that mm-hmm. and i like i just get like especially by like level six or seven of the main campaign i'm just like i can like go back mm-hmm. into any of these levels and with no penalty and with no whatever just like take my time like looking around some of the bigger levels too where it's just like it's just dense man mm-hmm. that like subway station level with like multiple levels and then the Mm. whole cordoned off area in the back where you've got like migrant laborers like Mm. toiling away like packing unpacking boxes i'm just like there's just so much happening yeah there's like a secret like b-boy competition happening (laughs) i'm just like this is fucking cool this is so cool and then like on top of that you have your camera lenses like yeah so you're not only seeing it from one perspective like when you whether if you look at those b-boys through a telephoto you're gonna get like a tiny framing of what they're doing if you come at it from a wide angle and you're just like in then you feel like you're in it like you, you know you're crouching with the b-boys of the dance and see oh for sure and, and yet another and, yeah. reason why i feel like i've been playing the game like not as designed like mm-hmm. i don't fuck with a single filter like i'm mm-hmm. here to take photos for sure but like i've never been a photographer and mm-hmm. i've got all these options i'm just witnessing mm-hmm. i'm playing the game as witness mm-hmm. and i still get this magical thrill of like lining up a shot and finding it but i'm treating it kind of more like mandala-esque like i turned off the autosave into screenshot so i'm not screenshotting everything like oh every now and again i'll take a photo i'm like yeah it's worth saving this one this is cool and i'll like yeah save it to like drive (laughs) but like 
I'm actually not in there like so I kept as I was playing it I kept on like the more you spend time in this world if you're paying attention not just to the game goals you begin to like see the like you know the the story of the in universe but also the metaphorical story as the the metaphorical in universe story and what it connects to like in our world mm-hmm. in the world of the author in the world of this guy Tali Faulkner the game's creator uh, director um and I guess like the deeper I went into the games universe, the more I realized I was also like on top of like, you know, a game I was kind of in my, at least in the context I'm coming from, I was playing this wild, like human rights, like project simulator, because like some, you know, the, the kaiju of this universe in fiction that are symbolic of either climate change or, and or colonial force from outside coming in and like ravaging you know the world there's also the un in league with aliens like there's a whole lot of like (laughs) there's a whole lot of like in fiction that's basically saying like especially for you know a maori and like a maori whose mother's house burned down in the bushfires of australia in 2019 Mm -hmm. like there's layers and intersections of like the grief and the anger that's probably felt and expressed throughout this game and I realized like the power of just witnessing again, you know, as a, per- I, I studied human rights in college, I was an undergrad in the human rights program uh, at Bard and, you know, witnessing and, f- and photo photography specifically have been mm. used as both um, a mechanic of incredible uh, witnessing towards the preservation and, um, promulgation of human rights and the protection of human rights and also has has been used as a as a mechanic of like dehumanization like Absolutely. Pol Pot and like the whole uh Khmer Rouge like there were all these like essentially their version of concentration camps throughout um Cambodia and as you were you know as a as a victim of that regime as you were processed into the facility they would take a simple unadorned black and white photograph of you and have you kind of like hold it and carry it through the processing, mm. like intake. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to die. Like you knew you were going to die when you like entered there. And, you know, really what a potently dehumanizing thing to like reduce someone to a photograph and have them like hold it as you're shepherded through this processing sequence. Yeah, so almost like kind of masking them. Yeah. And like they take the photograph from you and then mm. your body goes into the cage, you know, it goes into the, the facility. And then it's also this incredible power of witnessing. Like the photograph is the thing that can create a document of truth to power, right? That's mm-hmm. fucking important too. And that's always been a, 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 a potent tool of the human rights movement throughout the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the human rights movement throughout the world is also like the UN, right? Is one of the biggest fonts of human rights. Yeah. And in this game, it's this like scathing, horrible, uh, complicit party to the like, alien takeover of the world as the in fiction goes so i was just i like like i say all this to say like when i'm playing the game i'm literally just like reading every piece of graffiti on every wall and like reading every poster and like just spending time witnessing this weird set of like mise-en-scenes these like Mm -hmm. perfectly repeating little scenes that don't need to advance in their own little level length plots because you are the you're the it's almost the best the only best parts of like the fallout games Mm -hmm. where it's like oh 
when they finished the main quest line and all the side mm-hmm. quests, they also had just like set designers go in and like leave corpses with notes <laughs> around yeah. and like arrange the corpses in these really hilarious ways. So you're like, oh, this corpse has like a gun to the other corpse's head or like skeleton's head. And like, and there's like a note that explains their like relationship. Like mm-hmm. that is the whole game of Umarangi. I love that. I love yeah. that like exploration. I think on the note of um, uh, the camera, the tool, that's a really great point about it being a tool both for oppression and it has liberation. Been. Yeah. Um, and I think the game actually is in conversation with that in really interesting ways because like we said, it's a game, but it's also not a game. But it is a game because it has very strict rules and goals to pass a level. You have to take a picture of X number of things. And you can't take a picture of certain other things. Oh, yeah, there's like blue jellyfish. Yeah. The aliens, basically. Which are basically the aliens. Yeah. It's kind of like a, almost like the government process of of censorship. Because oh. this idea is like you're kind of, you know, you're getting paid for this photography by someone. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely this element of, of kind of questionable um, alliances or allegiances. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that the no ethical consumption under capitalism. Your yes. guy is still a photographer who has to make a living, your character. Um, and the there's yeah, maybe the pictures they're taking aren't helpful to the people that they're hanging out with. Like or they're, they're not you know, they're not they're being sent off to to a newspaper that works for the U or associated with the UN or, or what have you. I love you. this vein of thinking because yeah. I have some questions to follow, but please keep going. Yeah. yeah so uh, and then if you, t- you take a picture of the jellyfish, you get docked points. Um, and the jellyfish are represent the kaiju that are invading the world. And then you, in the first few missions, there's a lot of um, environmental storytelling that suggests that the UN is trying to cover up um, this invasion, uh, that they're not, that they're trying to kind of downplay it. Uh, that it's not a big deal, like something else in our life that yeah. is being oh, downplayed yes. by the At government. the same time, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's like a... It's really an interesting friction, I think, that the game leans into, leans into where, yeah, in some way, you're at the same time that you are inhabiting this world and trying to witness everything around you and, and be, be the witness, um, you're also being dragged in another direction to quantify and tabulate and um, categorize and kind of put things in their boxes which is a you know very a very like colonizing very western um uh function like function yeah that you think would be yeah in in a disagreement with like a lot of the other politics of the game and i think it is and i think they're trying to kind of clash these ideas together in a, in a really compelling way. Yeah, I kept on... So the, re- the reason I'm so glad you brought up that conflict, I felt it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last sequence of the main game, not the DLC, is like you kind of like going into this weird... Basically the first natural environment that you're allowed to enter in the game, like non-urban mm-hmm. environment. And it's this like kind of fantasy space where you like meet the aliens. And as you snap their photo, you like kind of dither off into like the credits like like mm-hmm. just kind of fades into light and you're like it's kind of like the end of like um you know uh, repo men like the original <laughs> repo men from back in the day, like punk rock film masterpiece mm-hmm. as like the cadillac or whatever car classic card is like ascends into like the alien space or whatever but like i i kept on thinking like who is this guy who am i 
Mm-hmm. And and especially because the DLC contains like a selfie stick essentially, mm-hmm. and you can finally turn your lens. On. And full disclosure, like I have not finished the DLC. Not like I just I like <laughs> I, I love to, the game. Right, I'm going to yeah. spend a lot of time, but like I said, I'm playing it wrong. I'm kind of just like chilling in it. Mm-hmm. So um, what's interesting is like there's a selfie stick, and so you can turn your focus back on. But even before the selfie stick, I kept on realizing that there's this persistent secondary goal in each of the levels of taking a photo of your friends, mm-hmm. your friend group, mm-hmm. which contains a penguin. Like, you also have to get, get the penguin, penguin in. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, even in a game of kaiju, right, there's this penguin. And also, like, your friends are conspicuously in the middle of, like, everything, mm-hmm. but kind of not a part of it. Mm. Like... You've got breakdancers. You've got soldiers lying wounded on the floor getting med packs. You've got people processing paperwork. You've got, you know, commuters and migrant workers and all that. But in every single scene, kind of, even in in the middle of a dance party in the middle of the street, your friends are kind of there, but not. Like, are you an alien? Or if, (laughs) like, or are you just so thick as thieves? Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. the implication of, like, you're a part of the cover-up. You'll get razzed every time. The, for a game as loose with its game parts, like it is, its score system is a satire. Mm-hmm. It's an inscrutable set. Like, why am I getting three dollars yeah. and fourteen dollars <laughs> for this? And also, like, if this is a game in the near future and it's still based at all on our reality, inflation will keep happening. Three dollars mm-hmm. ain't shit. Like, yeah. yeah, okay, scathing commentary on media is worth this, but also like, you're obviously like. If that's what a photographer gets paid, and that's your like luxury job mm-hmm. compared to like that migrant worker in all yellow coveralls shoved behind a cage mm-hmm. in the subway level, like who are your friends? Who are you? I kept on asking myself, mm-hmm. like, who is this guy? Like, what's your place in, in yeah that, in, in that universe? You're kind yeah. of documenting it without showing the truth, mm-hmm. and it's fun as fuck. You're yeah. kind of not. You're untouchable. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. So it was cool. I, I felt that conflict in a very different way. Or yeah, in a different no, instead of like, I felt it mechanically. I felt like mechanically, like, there's a reason why I'm supposed to like shoot my friends. Who are my friends? Yeah. Who am I? What is going on? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's like, like a newspaper, if you're working for a newspaper, they're not going to want a picture of your friends. Right. Um, maybe it's just a rule that you made for yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's almost this idea like, because I mean, and one of my favorite levels, which is in the DLC, is the um, are the uh, I think it's, is it it's kind of an arcade. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's also like a the bar, nightclub arcade. Nightclub. Yeah, I love that level. Yeah. But Do you notice that like it's like a bunch of like there's like they turn up the volume on the far right journalism in that level, so you kind oh, of have a feeling that it's like yeah, you're kind of like what is going on in this one bar? Like who's hanging out here? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it does It's not happening. It's not as bad as yeah. you think. Like, <laughs> sacrifice. Like join the you know join the UN. Whatever. Yeah. No, it's like this is what leisure looks like in this world. Yeah. Uh, and like who gets to experience leisure in this world? And then you know there's, there's upstairs where there's like a like kind of a more of a almost a nightclubby like yeah. Um, hostess bar. Host, yeah, hostess yeah. bar. Like, it felt like, very like yeah. Like CD, vertical bar, like but they also had like virtual hostess girls, mm-hmm. like kind of computer, like the computer simulation, and then like the dance floor, the, the dolphin DJ, very giant. Demonic. Yes, yes, the game really wears its influences <laughs> on its on its um, sleeve. But then I was thinking about that because 
you start in the bar and you kind of explore the bar and there's a lot to explore and then you kind of find the back stairs and you go up the back stairs and you leave the bar and your friends are there yeah outside the bar there's like a kind of a almost like a you would think it's like it looks like the, the bottom level of a subway station or something um and it's almost like they're not allowed in yeah. um and that i think says something about their their position because it's saying that kind of it's almost like you have special privileges as a photographer yeah. there's also another area in the dlc where you can go into like a military base mm. and their friends are also not allowed into that like they're kind of like in this waiting room area and then you can, you can kind of go explore wherever so there's definitely like this demarcation that the dlc leans more into where it's like um like yes your friends are always there but sometimes they are not res- restrained oh that's so cool yeah i love i love yeah. the like the club arcade level yeah and i i think i've played one more but yeah i can't wait to get more into the macro dlc yeah it's super yeah cool. it's really cool yeah oh man <laughs> it's so cool it's also like i mean it's also this like you know in the title of the game um Tali Pogner also translated it as red sky generation mm. um and so, you know, there's just so much in there with climate change. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's just like layers of, of, of the intersections of climate change and just like, again, indigenous rights and like people mm-hmm. who have been like shepherds of the land until they were brutally separated from it. And yeah. like you were talking about, like, there was like the virtual hostesses on top of like, there's so many beautiful themes that are just like sandwiched. Like, I don't know. It just feels like a tightly woven like rug or like a layer cake. I can't, I don't know the right metaphor because it's, it's as dense as occupying an urban space in terms of ideas. It's just, I feel like, especially having left New York City to full circle, like the episode a bit, like mm-hmm. since having left New York City, like I'm more sensitive, my ear is more sensitive to like jazz and my, and my like eyes and ears and thumbs and everything that comes into play when I play video games are really attuned to this game because it, not only because it's set in an urban space, but it has the energy of urban space mm. Um, mm. in a way that games of like seven times the budget mm-hmm. like could never <laughs> reproduce. Yeah. It's just dense in the right way, um, but never, never overwhelming. Because I think also like as a game player, like we're kind of like, what's the fail state? Like you can like fall from any distance, any height. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's soft. It's a soft scathing game that is like almost like there that is something that's very realistic about urban spaces though like um you know coming from new york living out here then you kind of get the perspective of people who live out here and they're all afraid of new york yeah and then you're just like no it's not like that um i mean like yes you got to be smart but also like it's there if you if you're from the city if you live in the city like you're comfortable with it you're comfortable in parts that would make other people cringe or, yeah. or, or um, panic like and I think the, like there's that that feeling in the game where you can kind of wander down alleys like in that like kind of the original game and, and like the um, just like a street scene that has like the big high rises on either side with neon on them and yes you can kind of uh, wander into like little like underpasses where there's like graffiti artist and, some passed out kid and yeah past the guy or like a, another b-boy and then like you're just like yeah it's cool and like like yes the city is not going to have that density or that color but it's like that is a very specific um and very like i think accurate um vibe yeah. of, of city living where it's like 
you know, especially as a kid too, because kids have no fear. And then you that's know, true, and they like, don't pity themselves either. Like, yeah, it's just like you're out there. Yeah, you're just out there. You're that, outside. Yeah, that kind of realism and that um, practicality of like being this like yeah lashky kid in the city, uh, and your entertainment is the city. Like it's not like going to that bar. Like when you're in that bar, your friends aren't aren't in that bar. Yeah. You're not going to the hostess section. You're not like spending money at the bar. You're <laughs> taking pictures. So like that's like. A very specific perspective of being like that like being young and in a city where it's like like you belong nowhere but you yeah, can enter nowhere, anywhere you're, you're, you're on the street <laughs> yeah and you can't really say you can't really be afraid of the street because like that's where you live that's your home that yeah. is like your setting yeah and that's like uh yeah that is something that yeah most big budget games don't have that well all right then i, I got a question for you all right. you moved up here really recently have you been back Yes. Yeah, I have been back. Yeah. What was the? How did that feel? But it's, it's hard because it hasn't been that. Oh, it hasn't been that long. long. Okay. I mean, like it's been. It was like a few months, or so. Like, there's definitely a difference. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe you'd have a better perspective if you did that. It was nuts. Oh really? <laughs> I so I was up here for five months. Mm-hmm. We went back to the city for like. No, maybe we didn't. I don't think we, I don't know if we made it back to the city before the pandemic broke out. Mm. I certainly don't remember the trip if we did. Um, and so basically what happened was we ended up being away from the city for like a year, mm. year and a half, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. And then when we went back, man, it was overwhelming. Yeah. And I think, I think it would not be overwhelming if I did not have kids. Mm. Um, but with that extra weight of responsibility mm-hmm. and like, Look, you know, I I had my own home in New York, you know, like mm-hmm. going back to the city now means like staying in my mom's apartment or like staying in one of my family members apartment and like cramming into <laughs> cramming my entire family, my kids and, you know, my partner into a single bedroom um, during a pandemic is a very difficult proposition. So like when the pandemic first broke out, Jess and I, I think we had like mutual anxiety for everybody that was stuck in the city Mm -hmm. because we had just left. Yeah. You know, we were five months out. We could still feel what that may have felt like. And then, yeah, with the same gravity that you used before, like we have twins. Like imagining our apartment through that pandemic with twins was nuts. So when we finally went back a year and a half later, I think the context was hard. Like, there's a lot. There. There's just a lot. And it was yeah. just loud and it was fast and it was everything that I loved about New York, but the con- my context, I had changed. What it's I, such a contrast. Yeah. Like now going to sleep at night with, like you were saying, cicadas instead of, you know, car, you know, horns and people yelling and like, you know, cursing each other. One isn't better or worse than the other, mm-hmm. but the context is very different and the effect it has on my nervous system is very different. And so now when I listen to jazz or when I play a game like the Morangi Generation, like, What's great is that it sets me up with the best parts of what I remember about living in a city. Now, Umaranga Generation, there's nothing sugar-coated about it. It's, what I love is like the first three or four levels, you're kind of just like, this is a cool photo game. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, there's a dude bleeding in the level that I was just <laughs> in two levels ago. Fuck me, yeah. I guess. I missed something. Fuck me. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it pulls the rug out from under you and the tonality shift and it's dark. And this, the cracks start really gaping in front of you. But you're safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Through a game, you're, again, safe to explore spaces in a way that's very different than 
when my body is in, you know, New York City on a slab of sidewalk in the summer, mm-hmm. sweating, pushing my two kids around. And they're just like, they've never seen so many cars and they love cars right now. So they can't move because they're like stuck in place and their attention span is not capable of handling in New York City anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though that's where they were born and spent the first year and a half of their lives. So yeah, context is everything. And these kinds of games that do it so well. That's why I think, I, that's why I think I'm, again, quote unquote, like playing it wrong. I'm just like standing a lot mm-hmm. and like moving around and like jumping and pulling the camera up and not even taking a shot just like focusing on something oh yeah i'll use the telephoto lens like mm. i'll like like zoom all the way in yeah. and just be like what's over there yeah what's it's happening a in the city below the yeah. very quickly oh it's so cool dude yeah and mm. i think also shout out to the switch again mm-hmm. because playing it in handheld mode on the switch is this incredibly tactile experience to do the kind of moving it around dude yeah oh if you have you played it on pc yeah right you should after this (laughs) you should play my switch because there's something to holding a big object in your hand that they do they implemented the gyro beautifully yeah and how natural it feels you know because i turn gyro or not turn gyro off but i use the button controls just to see what what it would feel like to use the shoulders to tilt the camera. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's not, no. Like with the same nature of just plant and shoot, like I'm like moving the camera yeah. around. Dear listener, I'm like moving like in lateral and like 90 degree angles yeah. and 45 degree angles. Like you just naturally move with it like you would a camera and then just mm-hmm. pop off a shot. There's something very satisfying about that. And it really does. I feel like that evokes the the feeling of the switch being a window too. It, it is. It, perfectly said, you said, because mm-hmm. like it's like, you're playing in the first person shooter mode where you're just like walking around in Mm -hmm. 3d space and that's cool enough on your switch and then yeah all of a sudden you like kind of you hold down the left trigger and you like pull it up to your face Mm -hmm. and now you're like peering (laughs) you're peering through it you're no longer looking at a screen you're like peering through the screen it's very cool very very cool and i remember uh, on some other podcast i think it was called um eggplant actually an old friend who used to work kill screen with me sarah almale who's like a Alma who's like a very talented voice actor as mm-hmm. well uh, in the games world. She just, she just booked a bunch of phenomenal characters. Like hats off to you, Sarah, if you ever hear this. But in their podcast, they um, she interviews Tali Faulkner and he said that the game was actually based around, he's like, I'm just a one-man show. Like what I really need to do is just get, he was like, I focused on just the camera coming up as like a mechanic. Like mm-hmm. if I could get this feeling really good, that moment where it goes from just being a you know a first person shooter to like oh i've got a camera on he's like if i can get that then i could build a you know a game around that mm. and originally it was just like four levels it kind of ballooned into eight as the context deepened and like he like fleshed the world out more yeah um but it really shows because like that one mechanic mm-hmm. that like bringing the camera to the face it's like butter it's so good mm-hmm. and it's so convincing and again the little bits of flourish on the sound design mm-hmm fucking soundtrack's banging soundtrack's so good soundtrack's banging and i believe the composer is thor high heels mm-hmm. so dope yeah um but then also just the like little sounds when you jump the like rustle of the zippers on your camera bag mm. and like fabric mm. sounds as you bring your camera up the shutter sound yeah. like all these little mechanical words and pings that are just that you know it's a beautiful little like asmr like experience it's cool and it, it, it but it definitely does feel like a game that knows its limits uh, the, the creators like aren't weren't trying to create something that re- re- resembled like a big budget game like they were trying to like nail, like kind of work to their own strengths yeah and like that the idea is like you can make the animation of the camera work without 
killing yourself over, over assets. Exactly. Um, and again, it's yeah. intertextual, not just to like the context of like climate change, colonialism, failures of neoliberalism, like bushfires. It's also intertextual to games. Like mm-hmm. the thing that interrupted me from going deeper on the macro DLC is like I was kind of in this like vibe of like edges and jag and then the fucking quake release mm. dropped on the switch <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i'm there yeah and now i'm playing that and i'm like oh, oh yeah man. all of like doom 2016 and doom infinity or whatever eternal that it was called uh-huh. all that like push forward com- it was just quake mm. all they did was just quaked up some doom and it's good i mean in a good yeah. way then i'm like playing that i'm like oh my god like umurangi generation is tapping into maybe the you know because as Mark Twain said, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Like maybe right now with again, also wildly with the fall of Afghanistan, like maybe we're in this wild moment where like we're tapping into a specific type of generational angst. Like the young ones are coming up from behind being like literally like the planet's on fire. We're fucked. Mm -hmm. We have like something like 72 to 84 months to like stop putting out so much carbon Mm -hmm. or we're fucked colonialism capitalism all those systems are failing left and right and then we have like powerful documentarians of that failure in both like documentary form and in this metaphorical game space and in music and in art like the arias of climate change are here the arias of anti-capital and anti-colonial here and like umarami generation is just like what up like i'm here to play like you can play me Mm -hmm. like come on in and it's just it's vietnam era it's like pre like millennial tension like Y2K shit. It's graphically like referencing all of those things. It's fucking beautiful, man. It was a, it's a cool experience. Yeah. It's almost like that, that idea of looking back graphically is this is it in itself like an environmental message, right? It is an environmental because message. Because it's saying big, like flashier, bigger, better is what got us into this mess to begin with. Dude, the idea that we need to grow exponentially forever. If we were to take the carbon cost of like the internets <laughs> and the ways we interact and like the scary thing that like Snapchat just overtook Facebook because video processing is like a huge, huge toll compared to like the older ways of communicating by like copy or rich media, mm-hmm. right? And then even before that, like pushing smaller and smaller packets of internet at a time. And like you could have a dope ass Doom wad and like 16 friends and a dial-up modem and have yourself a merry fucking good time. And I am not about, like, to return all the way to the top of the context of this podcast, like, I'm not just, like, back in my day because mm-hmm. there's incredible achievements every fucking day. But, like, I think you're right. There's something about that lower poly thing. I think it's a part of the statement. It's mm-hmm. not just a it's not just a production choice. It's an aesthetic and and you know, textual choice. Yeah, it's definitely considered. Yeah. Which is... And beautiful. Like, like everything else in the game. Yeah. <laughs> really dope. Yeah. I had so much fun with it. I'll have to check out your Switch version. Yeah, yeah, you will, for <laughs> sure. And I have so much fun talking to you, man. I'm so glad we're doing this again. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, this is definitely fun. And uh, whoever you are out there, we're, do- <laughs> we're doing this, I guess. We're doing it again. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how we... Uh, as long as I can drive over here. Or I'll drive over to you, man. Or we can also set up like a dual mic scenario. Yeah, think about it. If we want to increase the the you know the cadence, we can set up remotely. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> good wine passed between good friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, dear listener, thank you so much. Uh, this has been the video game hour. 
Yeah. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks, Yusuf. Thanks, David.